Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. Welcome to Impact Cyber Church. We are talking about one of, I think, the most important uh, issues that you've ever got to work through in your entire life, knowing and feeling the love of God. I'm not talking about doctrinally knowing. <clears throat> I'm not talking about informationally knowing. I'm not talking about having the right answers to put on the test. I'm talking about knowing in a way that you experience it. You feel it. It moves you. It motivates you. It, it, it inspires you. It gives you, it gives you restraints. Man, I want to tell you something. This is the core of, of everything about God and how everything about God works. And so today we're going to be talking about and answering some questions for you because, because I get this a lot. Why can't I feel the love of God? Well, I want to tell you something. You can, and you can develop your capacity to feel love, not only from God, but from people. I'm going to give you some tools to help you do it, so don't go away. I'll be back in just a minute. You know, I've got a great free gift for you this month. It's a message called The Extravagant Love of God. I want to tell you something. I want you to get saturated in how much God loves you, because then you're going to fall in love with Him, and your life is going to work the way it's supposed to. All right, here we go. We're talking about knowing and feeling the love of God, and we're going to answer the question, why can't I feel the love of God? You know what? I've had people ask me that question, and you know, it's a completely legitimate question because this is why God wants to heal your broken heart. Any of you who have ever listened to my series about freedom from emotional debt, realize that Jesus began his ministry. The very launching point of his ministry revolved around healing the broken heart. Because you see, a broken heart has this incapacity to trust or unwillingness to trust, this fear to trust. And if you're going to be in a loving relationship with anybody, you've got to trust and you've got to be willing to be made vulnerable. Well, you know something, if if all the people in your past have hurt you, and it can go back, it can just start with your parents. It can go back to friends at school. You know, who knows where it starts. But if you got hurt by people in the past that you opened up to or you or, or that should have loved you or that you trusted, then, then you get what the book of Jeremiah calls footprints on your heart. In other words, you get these, your heart gets beat up. It gets bruised. It gets wounded. And you literally get stuck in negative feelings and negative belief and negative self perception. And so what happens, it doesn't matter if it's God or if it's, or if it's the most beautiful person in the world that you want to spend your life with, if you don't get past that, you are going to bring that into this current relationship, whether it's a relationship with God or relationship with a girlfriend or boyfriend, you're going to bring into that relationship and you are going to mess up that relationship because of your inability to give and to receive love. Now, and I've said this and I'll always say this, you've got to start with just being willing to believe that God loves you the way he says he loves you. And, and I'll tell you, man, this is where you've got to cut religion out. This is where you've got to cut out everybody other than the people who are supporting the love of God as expressed through the life, 
the ministry, but specifically through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Because until you are measuring God's love out that way, until that's the place that you go to look at God's love, then then you're just subjectively uh, uh, putting God or, or judging God by all of your past experiences. You know, love is threatening. And love, like I said, love makes you have to be vulnerable. I think in one of these earlier series, we talked about one of the words that is used, uh, that, that God uses in describing his relationship with, uh, with his bride, and we are, we are the bride, is like, ha- it's like a tree that has all of the bark peeled off of it. And, and so it's sort of like uh, uh, being skinned while you're alive. I am making myself completely vulnerable to you. I think that's probably one of the concepts behind the word know when it talks about, about a man knowing his wife. It, it, it's talking about, you know, we are completely naked, but we, we, we're going to know each other intimately on some level that could be so threatening. It could be so vulnerable that, that I, I don't want to just share this with anybody. I, I, here's who I want to share it with. I only want to share this with someone that I can trust not to hurt me. And I only want to share this with someone that I believe is going to give that kind of love back to me. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you believe about God, what religion has told you your whole life, you'll never trust God that way. You'll never be able to be completely open with God. You'll never be able to own your issues. You know, today, it's, it's interesting. There's, there's a movement out here that teaches people that, that Christians never confess their sins. You know something? I, and I understand where they're coming from doctrinally, but man, relationally, well, not, number one, that's, that's in the Bible all the way through the Bible. Every model that we have talks about dealing with our issues and confessing them. It's not talking about groveling. It's not talking about begging. It's not talking, it's owning it. It's saying what it is. And, and, and we cannot, we know this psychologically, but we know this spiritually and from the Bible first and foremost, you can't get set free from anything you won't own. If you don't call this yours, then you do not give, you're not using your authority, you're not giving yourself, you're not giving your own heart and your own mind the freedom to deal with it or even the freedom to let go of it. Why should I let go of this if, 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 if I don't have to call it mine, if I, don't, if I don't have to own it? And so I'm not trying to get you into some kind of goofy re- religious stuff, but I'm, but I'm telling you, I believe, I believe a lot of these kinds of doctrines emerge from people who don't want to own their stuff. Who, who don't want to be vulnerable before God, who, you know, who are afraid. They, they say they believe in a loving God, but you know what? If you believe in a loving God, you can stand up in God's face and God's presence and admit anything about yourself. Now, you may feel bad about it. Your conscience may, you know, your conscience is going to be conflicted. You may feel embarrassed. You may feel momentary guilt, but you're not afraid of God. You're not afraid that God is going to hurt you. Now, remember, perfect love cast out fear. And we talked about this back a few weeks ago. It didn't say love casts out fear. You, you see, if it had just said love casts out fear, then really we could go to any concept of love that you want to talk about. As a matter of fact, you know, we know that there are, that there are three words in the Greek New Testament for love. We could have picked any one of those and said, well, that's the love he's talking about. No, he says perfect love. And the word perfected and the word love are both very specific kinds of love. And in that scripture, when it talks about perfect love, you know, first of all, we know by the teachings 
of the Word of God. That perfect love is love that is, is believed, received, experienced, and first and foremost, given back. Now, what happens when we experience perfect love, we go through an internal transformation. I mean, we're not even trying to. We're not even trying to change. We're not even trying to make something different happen. When we experience perfect love, we are going to experience an internal transformation. And I'll tell you, when we experience that internal transformation, we're going to start treating people around us very differently. Hey, listen, let me say this before I forget. If you're watching this on YouTube, be sure right now just to click below to like this video. If you want other people to discover why they're having trouble feeling the love of God, you can help them do it because the more people that like this, the more people are going to see this. So listen, let me jump back in. I just happen to think about that once. I just want to just work this in. So, <clears throat> so we know that perfected love is love that is believed, received, and given back. And we also then know that the fruit of perfected love is personal transformation, which is going to flood into other people's lives. So there's that concept of perfected, but then we also know that that word for love, agape, that when Jesus spoke in the original language and he talked about this unique love that God has for people with whom he's going to share his heart, with whom he's going to share his secrets, with whom he's going to teach and instruct and lead like a child and protect and all of these things, we know that that is a in the original language, not just the original Greek language, but in the language that Jesus was speaking when he taught about love, we know that that is a love that is expressed only to a person who is willing, capable, desirous of expressing it back. Now, by the way, let me say this. You might not be capable in the beginning. You might desire it. and But you know what? If you're willing, if you are willing, you can become capable. So a lot of people kind of take this attitude of, you know, if I was able, I would be willing. No, that's not the way it works. Internally, when you become willing and trust God, you will become able. And you got to get that straight because if you're going to wait till you're able to show love back to God before you're going to enter in this relationship, you're never going to do it. But the point is that perfected love, not only the concept of it being perfected or completed, but also just the concept of love that Jesus taught is something that only happens with people who are fully desirous and willing to be that vulnerable, to open themselves up and to express that back to God. Now, <clears throat> that's the kind of love that drives out fear. You see, just having doctrinal information about the love of God without having the experience doesn't drive out fear. And so the problem, the person is like, well, you know what? I'm afraid. I've been hurt. People have taken advantage of me. Bad things have happened in my past. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not trusting anybody till they prove themselves to me. Well, you know, God's already proven himself. He sent Jesus to become our sin, to take all the punishment that we would have had to take him, to be separated from God, to, to die, to go to Hades, to use his faith, to be raised from the dead, to conquer the devil, to receive an inheritance and to share it with us freely. How much more proof do you need than that? And the only place you're going to find that proof is in the Bible. You're not going to find it in some abstract source. You're not going to find it. You're not, you're not even really going to find it just because somebody preaches it to you. That's where you got to go in there and say, God, I got to read this for myself. I got to see this for myself. And I'm going to choose to believe it for myself. And I'm going to choose to let you verify this. Don't go away. I'll be right back. We're going much deeper. 
You know, there is nothing more important for every aspect of your spiritual life, your physical life, your emotional life, than knowing and feeling the love of God. Yes, I said feeling. I'm not talking about just having information, just quoting verses. I'm talking about experiencing a connection with God that you can feel when you feel the love of God. You know, the Bible tells us something incredibly interesting about the children of Israel going into the promised land. Now, remember, the Bible tells us to look at the nation of Israel and, and see all the typology of our journey of walking with God. You know, Egypt is a type of the world. And, uh, and, and so God delivering them from Egypt was, is a type of us being delivered from the world. And that deliverance started at the Passover. And at the Passover, there was unleavened bread, which means, you know what, by as much as I can, I'm giving up sin, I'm giving up my past, I'm just giving up my life in the world. I'm giving up everything how I used to see myself. Because see, remember, they used to see themselves as slaves to the world, slaves to the Egyptians. That's why in the book of Romans, Paul talks about us being slaves to sin. And so you have all that typology. Of course, the Passover lamb, which was killed, and, and the blood was put on the, on the doorpost to, to, to uh, uh, express the life of God and protect us from the wrath of God. And then crossing over the Red Sea was a type of being baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. Going up to, uh, uh, to Mount Sinai, receiving the law uh, is a type of what happened at Pentecost, where it's all written on our hearts the way God intended, and the Holy Spirit is poured out to empower us to live that. So, so all of their struggles that they had, even why it took them so long to get to the promised land, uh, we should look at those and understand concepts about walking with God. Now, we're under a different covenant, but God's still the same God. God's truth is still the same truth. Love is still defined the same way God loved it, you know, defined it back then. The only thing that's changed is our covenant. And the covenant didn't change because God changed. The covenant changed because actually that the covenant that we have with Jesus is based on and the model and typology we have for that is the covenant that God made with Abraham, which all of his seed get to participate in his covenant with God. And that's the way it is for us. Jesus has a covenant with God. All of his spiritual seed gets to participate in that spiritual or in that covenant with him. So one of the things that God told the children of Israel, he said, if you'll be willing and obedient, you'll eat the fat of the land. You'll eat the best of the land. You'll, you'll come in and you'll have all this. Now, I want to tell you something. There are people today that when you say the word obedient, their head explodes because to them, any concept of obedience is dead works. And uh, they don't know the difference between dead works and good works. We're saved. We're set apart. We're brought into this thing so that we can, uh, uh, we are his workmanship unto good works. And so, the whole concept of works has just gotten twisted completely out of biblical perspective because the truth is we're supposed to be the light of God. We're supposed to be showing the love of God to the world, just like the children of Israel were supposed to show the love of God to the world, and they didn't do it. They turned it into a, to an ingrown religious legalistic system whereby they they looked down a self-righteous nose at the rest of the world. And that's not what God ever intended. That's not what God told them to do. That, that has nothing to do with the law. That has nothing to do with what, with, with what the, the commandments say because the commandments don't say anything like that. <clears throat> but anyhow, obedience 
is fruit. Legalism says now that obedience is, is the seed that once done, once planted, moves God to respond to you. And see, that's where you start getting into, into dead works and legalism is when you think you can do something to manipulate getting benefits from God. And, 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 you know, sadly, see, people, and we talked about this in the past, people can see that kind of legalism. They can see the old school legalism. But what many people don't see is today they still have doctrinal legalism. And they still think it's about having the right doctrine. And that, and that is what, that is, they, they have the contracts that forces God to love them. You know something? That is just as legalistic as any of the old stuff that we saw 50 years ago in extreme legalistic Pentecostalism. It's just, it's just a nicer looking different version of legalism. But <clears throat> obedience is not the seed that, that produces the fruit. Obedience is the path. It's about being yielded to God. It's about trusting God enough that you're going to yield to Him and, and follow Him on this path because you believe that this path takes you to the fruit. Now, the seed that grows into the fruit that's going to grow in your life, the seed is the Word of God. It is what God says in His Word and what God speaks in your heart. And yielding to Him and being obedient and walking the path takes me to the place to where all of these benefits that I'm wanting are, are going to come to me. It's just like, it's just like the person who, who, and, and I, I used to get these letters all the time. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for the perfect mate. And, um, and, and so, you know, they're trying to pray enough and fast enough and, and all this kind of stuff to, to get God to send them the perfect mate. You know, my advice to most people is if you want the perfect wife, be the perfect husband. If you want the perfect husband, be the perfect wife. In other words, become the kind of person that will not only attract that other person to you, but become the kind of person that they'll want to be with after after they find you. Well, you say, well, what's that got to do with obedience? Well, God's the one that tells us to love. God's the one that teaches us how to walk and love. God's the one that tells us to speak kind word. God's the one that tells us to be patient and kind and, and non-judgmental. In other words, God tells us all of these things. And so the person who is committed to uh, trusting God and committed to hearing anything that God says, once they realize it's there, they're like, okay, I'm, I'm there. I want that characteristic in my life. And it's not that I just want this because it's going to get me what I want. I want this because this is a reflection of who God is. This is, I want to be, I want to be this person who walks in the love of God. I want to be this person. You know, uh, one of the times in my life when I had an incredible, incredible personal challenge, uh, you know, I never was a legalist. I never one of these, was one of these people that, uh, that thought you could just earn something for, from God and, and, um, uh, you know, years ago, probably, you know, probably almost 40 years ago, uh, me and, uh, Rick, the guy that does all, all my video work, we were talking about a message that I preached back then called trials, testings, torments, and tribulations. And the whole message was about the fact that God didn't do any of that stuff. I, you know, I've, I've never been into that vein of, 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 of legalism and a negative, negative God kind of concept. But I can tell you this, through going through Bible college and being around religious people, I got forced into this concept that, that as a believer, I needed to take a stand on things. It didn't mean I needed to attack everybody, but I just needed to take a stand on what was, what was right and wrong, what, what, you know, what was good and evil and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, <clears throat> and I'll never forget 
you know, after, after a few years of that, now, again, I didn't get really, really mean. I, and I didn't go after everybody, but I felt like any time I was put in that position, I needed to take a stand. And that taking a stand was the most important thing because you got to stand for truth. And, and I can remember one day as I was reading the Word of God, just reading the Scripture where it says, as much as it is possible, as much as it lies within you, live at peace with every man. And I remember the first time I heard that scripture in my heart and, 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 and grasped the concept of living at peace. And suddenly I started finding scriptures everywhere about living at peace and the value of living at peace and, and, and the gospel of peace and the covenant of peace and the God of peace and the prince of peace and let peace referee your heart. Now, I'd read all those scriptures and knew they were there, but somehow I never had an understanding that brought all that together. Well, why? Because understanding comes from your heart. You know, the, the question you might ask is, well, why did God wait until you had been saved for eight or nine years to show you that? Well, we touched on this back a, a few programs back. The word hear and the word obey in, in the original language are the same word. There is no difference between hearing and obeying. And what we realize is this, because of more than I can go into in the length of this program. If I am not ready and willing to obey, then the truth is I can't hear. And see, so that brings us into that concept of if I'm not ready and willing to love and have this vulnerable, open, honest, nothing held back relationship with God, then I can't even feel that kind of relationship that He's offering me. See, most people can, to some degree, acknowledge the agape of God. He hadn't killed me, unless religion's messed him up, you know. God, God's good to me. Yeah, okay, I believe He forgives sins, all that kind of stuff. So, so God's character is good. But that doesn't mean I'm experiencing Him. Because, see, I've got to have a heart to experience it. I've got to have a heart to yield to, to be obedient to God's concepts of love. Or the truth is, I can't, I can't even hear and recognize and feel and sense when he is attempting to show me and express to me those concepts of love. So, at some point in my life, after leaving enough dead bodies behind me, I, you know, I... I, I for whatever reason, opened my heart. Well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what the reason was. The reason was because at that time in my life, it, it was after I'd made a commitment that the more than anything else, I want to know the love of God. I want to walk in love. I want to feel love. I want to know God is love. Uh, you know, and that's what I want. That's what I wanted my life to be about more than anything else. And when I started making that journey, suddenly I became open to other things that I'd previously been close to. Well, why was I close to it? Because I thought I was right, because I thought I already had the answer. You see, if we're going to make this journey with God, see, you, you say, well, how can I know I'm going to obey something if I haven't heard it yet? Well, what you're saying is, uh, God, give me the information and let me kind of evaluate and pass a judgment on you and tell you what I think about it before I agree that I'm going to go along with it. No, we're not here to put God on judge. The, the question is this, am I ready and willing to follow God and to connect with God however he wants to do this? Even though I may not yet know what all that entails, even though I may not yet understand all that that involves, am I going to come out of Egypt? Am I going to leave everything else behind? 
Am I going to make him the pearl of great price? Am I going to strip myself naked emotionally before him, peel the bark off of my heart, as it were, so that I'm completely vulnerable, completely open, completely sensitive, and willing to trust his love he has for me, and ready, as he makes me able, I'm ready to give it back. You see, that's the number one reason people aren't feeling love as God's offering, is because we're still afraid. We've still got these hurts. We've still got these pains from the past, and we are treating God as if he is the one that brought those pains to us. Don't go away. I'll be back with a mentoring moment. And remember, if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure right now and like this so that thousands of other people will get a chance to hear and like this. Many things just change in your life effortlessly. Number one, when you feel the love of God, your self-worth is transformed. And you start experiencing and having this sense of incredible value that God has for you. Second thing that happens when you're experiencing the love of God is your faith explodes because faith works by love. In other words, the more you experience God's love, the more you trust Him. And when you experience God's love, you're going to find that you will effortlessly uh, show love to other people because when you are knowing and experiencing God's love, it just comes out of you. This is going to be one of the most important series you've ever had. You know, I don't take the time very often to tell you what all we're doing around the world because just more than we can discuss. But our world changers make that possible. And I want to just mention to you something that we've been doing for quite a long time and been doing more of it lately. We've been working with our armed forces. You know, we actually did a seminar one time and provided all kinds of books for couples that had, had gotten divorced or they were in conflict as a result of one or the other being deployed. Recently, we donated 150 copies of Take the Limits Off God, go into gift boxes to go to soldiers that are deployed, deployed right now. Just this past uh, weekend, I, I spent a week doing a special outreach for vets to help them deal with PTSD and various other issues and how to put their lives back together and to recover their health. You know something? If you care about what's happening with our vets around the world, you might want to help us reach out a little bit farther by becoming a world changer. Just be sure and go to impactministries.com and find out about becoming a world changer today. You know, what I'm going to share with you in this mentoring moment is so simple, but it's really the number one hindrance that all of us have when walking with God. You know, Jesus called us not just to be born again and not just to have a one-time experience, but he called us to go on a journey of being disciples. And you become a disciple not when you get saved. You don't become a disciple when you start reading the Bible. You don't become a disciple because you're serving at church. There, there, there's a lot of good things that you can do that don't really make you a disciple. They just make you, they just mean that you're a believer. Uh, a disciple is a person who chooses to follow Jesus as Lord, which means I want to be as he is. I want to live the way he lived. I want to treat people the way he treated people. I want to know God the way he knew God. In other words, I want to be like him. You know, in, in the world, in Jesus' world, um, there was this concept that, it, that if you were a disciple, you, you, you literally believe that when your master walked by and left his footprints 
in the, in the sand. You, you literally believe that some of who he was was in those footprints. And so in, in the religious world of those days, they would literally follow their teacher and seek to put their feet down in the very same tracks that they walked in because they wanted to, to absorb every aspect of his knowledge and his wisdom, every aspect of who he was, every aspect of, of how he lived. And that, you know, that's where the, the saying comes from about, about walking, walking in another person's path. That's where it's coming from. And so the question is, Am I holding back any part of my life from the Lordship of Jesus? Is there any part of my life right now that I consciously know that I'm not ready to let go of this? Well, you know something? The starting place is just saying, I'm willing. And the moment you become willing, you open yourself up to Abel, and then you open yourself up to everything. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.